Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Hi, it's Richard here, your faithful announcer. We are so glad you are listening. Casting our podcast on the waters of providence, trusting we encourage growing, biblical, dynamic, soul-satisfying prayer lives which glorify God. From the pen of Martin Lloyd-Jones, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. John Owen adds, I pray God with all my heart that I may be weary of everything else but converse and communion with him. J.C. Riley adds his insight. Never, never may we forget that if we would do good to the world, our first duty is to pray. And now to our fine host, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred and I am the principal of the podcast. You've heard that before. We are back now with another look at the words of J.C. Ryle. Only today we are going to spring from a sentence that Jeremiah Burroughs wrote a long time ago, and that sentence has preoccupied my thoughts for a few days now. And so the question comes, what do you think when you hear the word duty, or the word glory, or the word excellence, or excellency? In his book, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, Jeremiah Burroughs, like I said, has a line there that he calls a line of doctrine, and it has stopped me intellectually in my tracks for a few days of contemplation, because I think his thoughts on duty and glory and excellency are intriguing. He's teaching on learning contentment, and the whole book, or all the sermons, are from Philippians 4.11. In his first sermon, and the book looks to me like it's been put together from a collection of sermons on that verse. And so he's introducing the importance and the benefits of Christian contentment. And in his first point, in his first sermon, he has a point of doctrine. But before we get there, I want to just read his introductory sentence, because as you will hear shortly, it could be written at this very moment and still have its meaning, its importance, the profundity of it. So Jeremiah Burroughs says, Here is a very seasonable, cordial way to revive the drooping spirits of the saints in these sad, sinking times. For the hour of temptation is already come upon all the world to try the inhabitants of the earth, and in special this day is the day of Jacob's troubles in our own bowels. Obviously, that means happening right there when he said it. But as you can understand, it could be written today. And then he goes on, The quieting and comforting of the hearts of God's people under the trouble and changes they meet withal in these heart-shaking times. And these are for us, for us as well, heart-shaking times. We often lose perspective that we're not the first ones to go through earth-shattering sort of trials. And Jeremiah Burroughs in his day and his congregation, they were no different than us. Now, the doctrine that he puts forth is this, that to be well-skilled in the mystery of Christian contentment is the duty, glory, and excellency of a Christian. 
To be skilled in Christian contentment in this case is the duty, glory, and excellency of a Christian. Now, to me, that's kind of a stunning sentence just because it seems to me to wrap up in my novice study of the Puritans, a summary, it wraps up their thought in general on the Christian life. We have a duty to God that will bring him glory and us glory, and then that leads to an excellent Christian life. Now, if that is not the case, if that doesn't sum up the Puritan approach to the Christian life, I'm going to take it that way anyway, because I do love it. And to me, it does sum up our lives as believers. And I believe that is illustrated from a quote we're going to use today from J.C. Ryle. That's how we get all the way back from Jeremiah Burroughs to J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle says this, again, in a call to prayer. If you are a Christian, indeed, I trust you will never be a backslider. That was our last subject, J.C. Ryle on backsliding in prayer. But if you do not wish to be a backsliding Christian, remember the question I ask you. Do you pray? This is his way of transition. I ask lastly whether you pray because prayer is one of the best means of happiness and contentment. And we will get back to that next time on our J.C. Ryle. But for today, he will say in a few paragraphs after that, this is again back to Ryle. And what is the best means of cheerfulness in such a world as this? How shall we get through this valley of tears with the least pain? I know no better means than the regular, habitual practice of taking everything to God in prayer. This is the plain advice that the Bible gives, both in the Old Testament and the New. What says the psalmist? Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. That's Psalm 50:15. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's Psalm 55:22. Then we go on with Ryle. What says the Apostle Paul? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. In the broadest sense, then, we see in this pursuit of happiness and contentment that, and to use an old joke, J.C. Rao would be agreeing with me on this, I know no better means than the regular habitual practice of taking everything to God in prayer. Of course, he says it much better than I do. But when we come back to Burrow now, and this is why I wanted to use this passage to swing into Burrow, because when we talk about our duty, in all three of those passages that Ryle quoted, there's duty. Call on me in the day of trouble. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. That's our duty. And then, when we move to from duty to glory, we see in the very first quote, Psalm fifty fifteen. there, he says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. So we glorify God when we obey, and when we come to him in daily prayer, that's our obedience. And when we cast our cares on him, that's obedience. That's the duty. And the result of the duty is his work on our behalf, which is his glory. And we will talk in future times, I'm sure, 
about this again and about God's glory. But for today, his glory, though, includes us as well. Not that we are glorified, but we reflect the glory of God. His glory is seen in our lives as we do our duty, as we do our obedience, as we desire, as we've talked about the last few episodes, that character of Christ our Savior. Remember Romans 8, 28 and 29? And when that happens, we reflect naturally the glory of God. And that's not to mention, which we will talk about this later as well, but James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And Peter says the same. We've covered those recently as well. So we have that glory in the nearness of God. And then that glory results in our reflecting what God wants us to be in this world. And again, it's reflective glory. When we seek first his kingdom, when we do our duty, he gets glorified. We glorify him. The people around us glorify him. And then we reflect his glory. You'll remember in the Old Testament, when Moses came down from the mountain, he glowed. His face glowed. But that was not of himself. He was in the presence of God so openly that he absorbed, it sounds like to me, the glory of the Lord, and it shone on his face. And that glow dimmed over time, didn't it? Because it wasn't Moses' glory that people were looking at, but God's glory. And when we do our duty, the result is not only his glory, but the glory of our own lives. We reflect him. In Acts 14, 13, with the disciples, the amazing things they did reflected Jesus, whom they had been with. The verse reads this way, Now they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. End quote for a second. Sort of like your host, huh? Back to the quote. They were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Again, the disciples were not remarkable owing to their own achievements, but owing to Jesus, their leader, who they spent time with. And it was recognizable. The difference, the confidence, the miracles in their case were reflective of the God they served, Jesus, their Savior, and ours. And like I said, we'll look more on the glory part from our perspective and to the glory of God that he gets. But as to the excellency of life, when he says, I will deliver thee in Psalm 55, or in Psalm 50, and then in Psalm 55, he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the, suffer the righteous to be moved. And then from Philippians, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I can't imagine. In fact, I know. I know the difference between living in excellency and living in the flesh. And the two don't compare. And you know that as well. You've had those seasons as well. So the excellency comes in the answers to our prayers. So when we go back to Ryle and he says, I know no better means than the regular habitual practice of taking everything to God in prayer, that is to make us content and happy, we see the power behind that. It's the power of duty, obeying God. It's the power of glory, his glory. And then what reflects on us through him and through our obedience. And then lastly, his promises to take care of his children. And like I said, to me, that really wraps up true theology of the Christian life. We obey from a heart of love, but it's still our duty. Remember what he says in Luke, when we do everything that we're supposed to do, 
which actually we never do, but even if we could, when we get done, our response is still, we are still unworthy slaves and only have only done that which we ought to have done. And so duty leads to glory, God's glory, and our reflection of Him, and our excellency of life that we have in Christ. What a way to live. And I am so blessed. I started this podcast in 2018, really thinking too much of my own self on this. But I love the fact that the more I read, the more we read from J.C. Ryle, from men like Jeremiah Burroughs, the more we understand the reality that even in these horrible, terrible times that we're living in, prayer is one of the best means of happiness and contentment. And again, one more time from J.C. Ryle. And what is the best means of cheerfulness in such a world as this? How shall we get through the valley of tears with least pain? I know no better means than the regular habitual practice of taking everything to God in prayer. And I've been pretty, pretty repetitive in the end to wrap that up. But I have been because it's the glorious truth and it's why this podcast exists. It's why, with all my heart, mind, and soul, when I hear from one of one of you guys out there who's listening, one of the brethren, and I've helped you to pray, it just thrilled my soul to no end. And again, as 2023 is that year of consolidation and clarity, thank you, Jesus, that you speak to us in so many ways. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today. We bless you and we thank you for your abundant goodness to us. I pray you forgive the length, holy God, of thy servant. But this so excites my soul. You know it does and rekindle those those fires, not only of my personal prayer, but to be able to do the podcast. Move, I pray, in the hearts of your people that we will learn the centrality of life is you. As redeemed people, our whole life revolves around you and that our loving obedience, our loving conformity to your duty brings your glory, reflects well on your children who are seeking to follow you, and then forms the excellent life which you have called us to, the abundant life, the eternal life that you have called us to. We bless you and we thank you. We pray that we would meditate on these things and see how the excellency of life that we're looking for comes when we glorify you and show you off to the world, and that comes through doing our duty from our hearts, with all our hearts, minds, and strength. Bless you, sweet Jesus. We give this time to you. Move on us to make us come to you each and every day and pour our hearts out before you, knowing that the peace of God is going to rule over our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in the name of the Father, because you have made the way of salvation, planned the way of salvation. The Son, because you carried it out, and Holy Spirit, because you make it apply and you pull our affections to the worship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through our salvation. This is your will to talk to you. Help your people. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. I just love these passages. And we are commended to our God who hears our requests and will give us the peace that passes all understanding and keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Brethren, let's pray for one another. As always, thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you at www.frponprayer.com or 
freerangeprayer at gmail.com. And for all your voiceover needs, go to richarddurrington.com or durringtonr at gmail.com. Keep your dial here for our next episode. And if you have a dial, you just might need an upgrade. For Fred and I, have yourself a prayerfully fun-filled day.